did she do? Women Jacker, hello, I'm Samsara and you are listening to What Did She Do? Before I begin, I would like to acknowledge this podcast is created in Nam on Boon lands and thank them for allowing us to tell our stories here. What Did She Do? is a weekly podcast which features reviews written by myself and keeps you up to date with live theatre and events in Melbourne. It drops every Sunday. Today is the last chance to see Roald Dahl's Fantastic Mr. Fox. No one outfoxes a fox. Tickets via marinagroup.com. Melbourne Theatre Company is currently showing 17, a wild and wise vision of adolescence where youth and maturity intermingle in every moment. The season runs through to the 17th of February and tickets can be purchased through mtc.com.au. It will be hot summer nights at Gasworks from the 23rd of January to the 5th of February. This outrageous adults-only circus cabaret show features a brand new hand-picked cast of Australia's top circus performers and is hosted by the brilliant multi-award winning cabaret star Tash York. Tickets through eventfinder.com.au. Groundhog Day the Musical is playing for 13 weeks at the Princess Theatre from the 24th of January. This brilliant new production is based on the classic movie and is a parable of love, hope and transformation. For all bookings and inquiries, call 1300 111 011. Trans Woman Kills Influencer opens at La Mama Courthouse on the 27th of January and runs through to February 4. This show combines videos and theatre to present a thrilling murder mystery. To book tickets, head to La Mama Coming back to Melbourne stages is Declan Green's Home Economics. Real food, real mess and a sickly saturated design. This show runs from the 30th of January to the 3rd of February at the Explosives Factory. Bookings through theatreworks.org.au. On the 1st of February 2024, Irrational Fear podcast is celebrating its 100,404th download at the Malthouse Outdoor Stage. Irrational Fear brings together Australia's best comedians and experts to laugh at the world around them. Tickets via malthousetheatre.com.au. Queer Out West is a site takeover at Footscray Community Arts Centre on the 3rd of February. This event is free and includes exhibitions, screenings and live music. Bookings are essential though through footscrayarts.com. Tell me boy, why are you still with me? opens at Gasworks on the 6th of February and runs through to the 10th. Circus for grown-ups. Bookings via eventfinder.com.au Victorian Opera brings Candida to the Palais from the 8th to the 10th of February. Voltaire's satirical tale of mindless optimism springs to life through a brilliant score from famed West Side Story composer Leonard Bernstein. Tickets can be booked at victorianopera.com.au. Mel and Sam come to the Malthouse Outdoor Stage on the 9th of February, a manic Malthouse mixtape of all the best hits from their award-winning comedy shows No Hat, No Play, The Cabaret, Shit Wrecked and High Pony in this tribute-style show. 
tickets can be purchased at malthousetheatre.com.au. Meg Washington is performing with the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra on the 9th of February. Meg's highly influential genre-defying work has inspired a generation of music fans. Bookings via mso.com.au. The Rocky Horror is back in Australia and takes residence at the Athenaeum from the 9th of February with Jason Donovan as Frank Furter and Joel Creasy as the narrator. It's astounding! The Rocky Horror Show tells the story of Brad and his fiancée Janet, two squeaky-clean college kids who meet Dr. Frankenfurter, an extraterrestrial mad scientist from the galaxy of Transylvania, where people really like to party. Tickets are on sale now at rockyhorror.com.au. The Manet Illusion Exhibition takes residence at Art House from 19th of February to the 23rd of March. This is a hot and humid installation of Philippine sound, video and performance, inspired by video key in the Philippines. Bookings through arthouse.com.au Flamenco Dancer is happening at Gasworks from the 20th to the 24th of February. Flamenco Dancer is an inspired, powerful and elegant show of flamenco dance and guitar. Bookings at gasworks.org.au Puccini in the Park is playing at the Sydney Meyer Music Bowl on the 21st of February. Giacomo Puccini composed some of the most enduringly popular operas. This concert is free and no bookings are required. Marie's Crisis returns to common rooms from the 23rd to the 25th of February, what better way to start thinking about the new year than by locking in a writer's evening of tunes and tinkling ivories. Bookings through melbournefringe.com.au Ruthless the Musical takes over the Alex Theatre from the 1st to the 24th of March, a satirical feast that playfully pokes fun at classic Broadway productions like Gypsy and Mame and iconic films such as All About Eve and The Bad Seed, offering a cheeky nod to the relentless pursuit of fame and fortune by those irrepressible showbrats. Get your tickets at alextheatre.au. Gaslight opens at the Comedy Theatre from the 6th to the 17th of March 2024. Young, trusting and fragile Bella Manningham thinks she's losing her mind. Tickets via marinergroup.com.au Rejoiceify Melbourne, Wicked is back long before Dorothy dropped in. Two other young women met in the land of Oz.
performances at the Regent Theatre commence from the 6th of March 2024. Bookings via ticketech.com.au or phone 1300 111 011. Ruben Kay is performing Apocalyptic at the Malt House from the 28th of March to the 21st of April. Part eulogy, part allergy, part Eastern Block Dog Day afternoon. Bookings at malthousetheatre.com.au. PF will be at the Palms at Crown on the 16th and 17th of May. This celebrated production tells the story of Edith Piaf's career through her unforgettable songs including La Vie en Rose in an original scenography with projections of images of Edith Piaf never published before. Parle tout bas, je vois la vie en rose. Allez, venez, Miller, vous avez l'air d'un môme. Laissez-vous faire, Miller, venez dans mon royaume. Non, rien de rien. Non. via theprestigeevents.com.au brings Irish dance sensation Airborne back to Australia and it will be at the Palais on the 17th of May. The unique fusion of live rock music with a live band and the world's best Irish dance and tap dancers has captivated audiences around the world. Tickets are on sale at melonevents.com. Finally, Sunset Boulevard opens on the 21st of May and stars international superstar Sarah Brightman. This will be a brand new lavish production of the Tony Award winning musical. Tickets can be booked at sunsetmusical.com.au. will have been almost a year ago to the day when Finn Cannon Smith brought us an amazing show House of the Heart at the Museum of Chinese Australian History with the show returning on the 14th of February for the reviews this week I thought I would read you my review of their show last year so here it goes it has been just over a year since Victoria's strict pandemic lockdown and work from home edicts ceased yes we are moving on and yes society's rhythms are returning slightly retuned but beginning 
to play at something approaching vivace, if not the preceding prestissimo. In the midst of our fermata, however, we had the opportunity and the will to take a look around us and consider what is important to us. Locked in the little cells of our domiciles, we also took stock of what is house and what is home. Finucane and Smith have taken this intensely intimate introspection we all faced and created a cabaret study called House of the Heart. Intriguingly and importantly, given the state of the world right now and our internal political struggles, they are performing at the Museum of Chinese Australian History. Finucane and Smith have a long and inglorious history exploring China, performing in and with the Chinese and working with Chinese diaspora artists. It is exciting to hear Moira Finucane speak to this history in the preamble as she introduces us to the famous dragons watching over us in the Dragon Gallery and as we look to the luck the year of the rabbit foretells. House of the Heart has a tempo which is a bit different to what you may have come to expect from Finucane and Smith. It is a gathering of people, a gathering of stories, a gathering of intimacy, sharing and love. In keeping with the theme of the venue, there is a Chinese conceit to the evening, but what brings it all together and completes the circle is the Indigenous presence. On the night I was there, it was Lois Olney with guitar virtuoso Dave Johnston, singing blues classics by the great Nina Simone, as well as sorrowful but loving tunes about her family and a lullaby in native language. House of the Heart invites artists who have come to this country to tell their story however they best express themselves. There is often debate around Australia as home to immigrants. House of the Heart does not try to take a stance. This show is about looking at the ways and whys of how the Chinese diaspora find themselves living on these shores and some of the experiences they have had. At the same time, we are asked to look inside our own houses and think about what makes the heart of our homes. Sophie Coe begins the singing and, as the evening progresses, she introduces us to the first Chinese pop song sung in English. She is accompanied by the softly incandescent Zha Zhao on cello and Zita Deng on backing vocals. Mesmerised by Zha Zhao's first unique composition, Finucane reveals the swift tattooed on Zha Zhao's arms. The swift is the fitting theme for the evening and Finucane explains just how far a swift can and does fly. In its lifetime, a swift can fly up to 2 million kilometres, enough to fly to the moon and back, and more than enough to fly to Australia. In a rare but on-brand moment, Finucane lets us in to see the true heights of her acting talents and writing brilliance in a little piece called The Swift. Some people do not belong in our heart and in our home. Paul Cadero tells us, first through voice and later through dance, of his family's migration story and the strength and wonder of his older brother before Zitao sings his first self-composed song. Belonging in Australia is a complicated state of being. Hearing Zitao's painful cry, Taipei is not my home, over and over, resonating between the walls, the floors, the audience and the dragons, is one of the most powerful moments of the evening. There is a deep sadness in the house of the heart, but there is also great freedom and love and hope, which is embodied in Raksha Pasnani's explosive belly dance. The intimacy of the space ensures we all feel enveloped in a warm dragon hug and ensures our sense of communal sharing and caring. Towards the end of the show, we are asked to share what is in the heart of our own homes. My list began with the soft belly fur of my kitten, and my friend has dragons and orange light in the heart of her home. What is in the heart of yours? Come to the Museum of Chinese Australian history this week and share. After all, isn't this what community is all about? And I gave the show four stars. And if you want to go and see this show in its new iteration, it will be performed again at the Museum of Chinese Australian History from the 15th of February through to the 10th of March. For bookings, go to trybooking.com.
And now it's time for some industry news. Submissions are now open for the Max Afford Playwrights Award, supporting young playwrights between 18 and 40 years of age. The Biennial Award is an initiative of the late Thelma May Afford, who, in her will, established a fund to offer a periodical prize in memory of her husband, managed by Perpetual as trustee. It includes $15,000 in prize money for the winning playwright, in tandem with a further $15,000 towards a creative development, including a dramaturg, director and actors facilitated by APT, Australian Plays Transform, which will take place between April and November 2024. The Max Afford Playwrights Award was established to help give incentive to young playwrights, provide funds to enable them to further their education in the field of drama, improve their creative writing and improve the general public's appreciation of Australian drama and playwrights. The award is the initiative of the late Thelma May Afford, who in her will established a fund. The award is currently awarded biennially. The prize is directed to be awarded to the person who is judged to have the highest merit. Applicants must be an individual between the ages of 80 to 40 at the close of entries date, a resident of Australia during the four years prior to the closing date for entries. Scripts must be of an original nature, a full-length play of not less than one hour duration, completed not earlier than two years prior to the closing date for entries, unperformed and not have been previously produced or had public reading. This rule will apply up to the time of the creative development with the Australian plays transform. The prize includes $15,000 in cash and expenses to a maximum of $15,000 towards creative development with Australian plays transform. Applications opened in December and will close on Sunday the 4th of February 2024 at midnight. The official announcement of the winner will be made in March. Submissions must close on Sunday the 4th of February 2024 at midnight and all inquiries are to be forwarded to hello at apt.org.au In our Something Special segment this week, I had a chance to sit down and chat with Steph Lee, the director of the upcoming show Home Economics, which is about to open at TheatreWorks. Here is what Steph had to say about the show. So Steph, welcome to the podcast. Let's begin with, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, how you come to be in theatre, and what your intentions are. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you for having me. I am Steph. Um, I use she, her pronouns. Um, I am. I usually describe myself as a director and stage manager, um, so I've done a bit of both of those things. Um, I guess also technically I could say that I'm a writer as well. Most recently, uh, the project that I've been working on kind of over the last couple of years has been a musical that I co-wrote um, that was actually nominated for a Green Room Award last year, so that was pretty exciting. Tell us the name. Um, it was called, yeah, a Zoom group project, The Musical, and it was like a fun little lockdown project basically that kind of spun into an hour-long Fringe-esque kind of show. So we put it on for Fringe Festival last year, um, and that was super fun and exciting. But, yeah, I just graduated from my directing master's at the Victorian College of the Arts, so that's kind of occupied the last couple of years. But on the side, I've jumped in and done some projects. Probably the biggest highlights of the last couple of years have been um, – I interned and also kind of turned into an assistant stage manager on um, looking for Ella Brandy at the Malt House. Yeah, which is definitely my highlight. And then I've done some stage management for Western Edge after that in their show Lele, um, which is an awesome summer in Australian piece. Um, 
And yeah, as a director, I think a Zoom group project is probably my biggest feat so far. Um, and also home economics occupied a lot of last year in my graduation year because it was my graduating project at VCA. So yeah. So, speaking of the home economics, which is the show that you've got coming up at TheatreWorks, when does it open? It opens on the 30th of January at Explosives Factory. This is a show that you've directed as your graduating piece for your master's in direct. So tell me, what drew you to this play to highlight all the skills that you developed? It's an interesting one. The caveat of our grad shows last year was that they had to be an hour or less. So that kind of ruled out a lot of um, the contemporary Australian theatre that I was really interested in staging. And then I actually have been mentored by a director, Stephen Nicolazzo, mm-hmm. um, in the last few years, um, who I love and adore. And he kind of helped me look for some plays. And he said, oh, actually, I directed this piece in 2009. Uh, it was by Declan Green, an Australian writer. I think you'll love it. Um, and kind of slid across the vignettes to me. And I had a read. And I think I read Sugar first, which is um, one of the pieces where there's a young girl. She's addicted to um, eating candy and all of her teeth have rotted out. And she gets bullied by these teenage boys at the school. And as soon as I read that two and a half page opening monologue I was like in love with the pieces yeah I kind of the text is really interesting they've got really interesting character dynamic um it's yeah it's a really like rich text I'm like interested in directing text um and particularly I hadn't worked with text that had already existed before and like had been developed properly because they had the 2009 staging and then they redeveloped it in 2012 and then published it so I was like okay cool I can really get my hands into this text. Characters are definitely something I'm interested in, like exploring relationships between characters on stage. We can Google back and we know that in 2009, Little Ones did um, the premiere season. And so what you're saying is that the script got reworked. The version of Home Economics that you're presenting, is this the first time this iteration of it? Yes. There's a few factors that make it way different from the 2009 one of them is the redevelopment they did in 2012 so they cut a lot of vignettes from the 2009 one and only published four and then we only did three at my grad show and we're only doing three this time but we're also staging them in a different order is it at all similar to Ramondo Cortese's structure for I think it was roulette where you had those 12 mini plays for want of a better word kind of like that um they only published four of them but mm-hmm. it is kind of from what I can gather you will just put them in whatever order you want they just are kind of four separate mini plays that are self-contained there's no solve as to how you would transition them or how you would even stage any of the four it, they just are little self-contained plays a bit like um Raymondo's uh, roulette these vignettes are they monologues or are they duologues there's a combination we kind of hit I guess like three different types I would say for the first one sugar I classify it as mainly a monologue with two little in insert kind of scenes in it the second one truffles is a duologue so it's two actors on the stage the whole time it's set as a fancy dinner sort of scene and then the third one flower um that's probably the strongest three-hander but it's broken into 
like two separate two-handers with one character kind of going between the two other characters. The title Home Economics, um, I get that all of these vignettes, they have food names. From your perspective as a directing this piece, what did Home Economics mean? Home Economics, definitely the title is kind of hinting towards, for me, the one of the pieces in particular, the one that's set in a Home Economics setting Mm -hmm. Um, but I think what's really interesting is that piece kind of hinges on food obviously Mm -hmm. because they're baking food constantly Um, even while not at school his husband is constantly baking and it's kind of tied into this idea of like food and also desire is tied in to the food in that piece so I think that's for me kind of what comes across through the rest of them, it's how they're linked, is this idea of food and food being tied to desire um, and also kind of violence. The home economics used to be, I don't know if it still is, but it used to be a high school subject. When I hear that word, my brain goes to sort of teenagehood, but also school and learning and skills. Is there any of that energy that comes through in any um in the through the work um definitely so two of them are set in schools and they're very firmly rooted in the setting of school so you get kind of canteen food in one of them and this like youthful energy and bullying and all of the things that are tied up with (laughs) high school yay Um, and then uh, the home economics one you're in the classroom the kind of teachers telling the boys to be quiet because it's an all boys school it's very rowdy and that kind of atmosphere as well what is interesting um is that truffles which is the third one um in the middle it is just this dinner between two adults, but weirdly still has youthful, childish energy um, because we've always talked about one of the characters, De Silva, as being this really, like, childish tantrum-thrower businessman. Um, So he's kind of like a child trapped in a man's body and he doesn't actually know what to do with all of the perceived power um, that he has. Um, He just flaunts it all over the place without really kind of meaning to or, like, he doesn't understand the full extent that... Um, it has on Dorothy, the other character. So is there a double entendre there in the title, Home Economics, in terms of the economics side of things? Is is, is part of this about any kind of power relationships or trade-offs? I think what we really struck on after coming out of the VCA season is that this play is about power as much as it is about food and desire Um, and it's about the interplay of all three of those things and kind of desire who's desirable, who has power in that sense, but also um, who has the power to, like, decide who's desirable and Mm -hmm. all of those sort of things. Power in the sense of economics as well, definitely in truffles. De Silva says that he buys out the place for the night um, and look at me, look at what I've done. So you kind of owe me something as a result. And it's definitely economical in that sense. He's bought Dorothy's time quite literally because she's a sex worker. So in the other two, there's definitely power. Priscilla talks a lot, who's the teenagers bullied at school um, because her teeth rotted out. She talks a lot about wealth and power and the boys at a school that she looks up to that have money <laughs> um, and they can buy whatever they want from the canteen. Um, So there's definitely that at play. Declan Wright's really interesting 
characters. You know, reading the reviews of the original season, things like messy, words like messy come up a lot. How messy is this production going to be? It will be messy. Last season, we uh, had the word high velocity sausage roll as a concern. From the venue staff, there is food that does go quite literally everywhere. There's mess in the characters and then that gets literalised in the mess that litters the stage. So should audience bring safety goggles and ponchos? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) We try not to have a splash zone. We really, we try to contain it within the actors and they get lots messy and the audience just gets to watch them get messy. Are there any trigger warnings that the audience need to be aware of? We have been really careful to make sure that we put um, a full list of detailed content warnings um, on the show. The biggest one is that there's discussions of pedophilia in one of them and also there is a depiction of a sexual act and also a depiction of violence. There's also haze effects and lighting effects to be careful of for sensory issues and there will be smoking in one of the vignettes of a herbal cigarette. There's also language is a big thing. Declan definitely has a lot of slurs and other like strong language in the piece. What do you hope the audience comes away with having come to see Home Economics? For me, I hope that the audience walks away reflecting on how they felt throughout the experience. This piece is very, it kind of tries to draw you in and then make you question why you were drawn in or why you were laughing at certain moments. Um, And I think it does that really effectively. And we've definitely, in my direction of the piece, I've tried to enhance the making you laugh at moments that you shouldn't be laughing at. That would be great. Who are your notable creatives around you? My core, like, design team, Louisa Fitzgerald, who did the costumes, has done a fantastic job. Tom Vulcan, who's done the lighting design. Felipe Felicia did the set design. Jackie Van Leroot did the sound design. And then I also have to give, obviously, thanks to Zach Lewin, who has been my dramaturg. And then also Kate Speakman has been my right-hand man in producing and getting this show kind of off the ground. Right. And who's in the cast? We've got Shanu Sobti, Alfie Baker, Charlie Veach and Sarah Mann. And then there's Marco Pessa. And then we've got Eden Goodall and then Ian Farrington. It, it sounds like it's going to be an amazing season and thank you for giving us a sneak peek into it. We have accessibility guides coming soon as well through the TheatreWorks website. So there should be captioning on there and sensory friendly room um, and potentially a couple of other things um, that we're working hard to make this show a little bit more accessible as well. That's amazing. TheatreWorks have made it so easy to do, so I really appreciate them driving accessibility at the forefront of their stuff at the moment. So thank you so much, Steph. I really appreciate you taking the time for this. And just once more, Home Economics will be on at the Explosives Factory from the 30th of January to the 3rd of February. Bookings via theatreworks.org.au.
So here's a recap of what you can experience in Melbourne this week. Today is your last chance to see Roald Dahl's Fantastic Mr Fox playing at the Comedy Theatre. Tickets via marinagroup.com. Melbourne Theatre Company is presenting 17 until the 17th of February. Tickets can be purchased through mtc.com.au. Hot Summer Nights opens at Gasworks from the 23rd of January to the 5th of February. Tickets through eventfinder.com.au. Groundhog Day the Musical is playing for 13 weeks at the Princess Theatre from the 24th of January. For all bookings and inquiries, call 1300 111 011. And Trans Woman Kills Influencer opens at La Mama Courthouse on the 27th of January and runs through to February 4. To book tickets, head to lamama.com.au. <laughs> What Did She Do is created by myself, Samsara, and drops every Sunday. Also, if you like a bit of audio fiction in your podcast mix, you can check out my other podcast, Samsara's Dramas, scripts straight from my pen to your ears via an amazing ensemble of actors. Let's catch up again next week. What Did She Do?